Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notetoscene at gmail.com. We have so much to talk about this week. Big news from neck deep, as it is, and with confidence. But first, we're going to talk about Pierce the Veil, who are back-ish with new stuff. And it's always good to have Pierce back. All right, let's go. So it was a surprising to get a message from you last night of uh, Ronnie Radke getting owned <laughs> by Vince Staples on Twitter. Yeah, dude. Did you? I just couldn't even believe it. You and I have talked about Vince Staples off the show this year with his new album uh, coming out. And I'm a big staple, big Vince Staples fan, but I couldn't get you on the train. But it was just so crazy to see those two worlds collide in the fashion that they did. Yeah, we, we have talked about Vince. And for the listeners who aren't, you know, familiar. He's an up-and-coming rapper signed to a major label. He's on Def Jam, and he's known for like I'd say he's known for being intellectual, quick-witted, and bars, and like he's fast as for fuck sure when he raps. Um, he's not the type of dude you want to like get into a Twitter war with. I'd say, <laughs> no, which not at from all. What I could tell, what happened was Vince called out M. A kind I mean didn't call him out but was in basically a way. saying in a way called out Eminem. And for those of you who don't know, Eminem is Ronnie Radke's favorite artist of all time. So Ronnie went in on Vince and Vince just fucking came back and just tore him to pieces. Like I've never seen anybody tear <laughs> Ronnie up. I mean it just goes to show Ronnie gets in fights in the scene, but like to watch him go against somebody he was so outclassed against, it was just something else. He got absolutely dragged last night. And it was crazy because it was the talk. My entire Twitter feed was filled with people talking about, wait, is Ronnie Radke really beefing with Vince Staples on Twitter right now? And then they were going through the tweets, and some of the shit that Vince was dropping was just absolutely insane. And Ronnie had to end up just being like, yo, checked out your tunes, man. I dig it. (laughs) (laughs) That was what was great about it was it got to, I wouldn't so much call it a beef as a slaughter because Ronnie was just at one point trying to make nice. Like, and Vince was like, no, Vince was not having it. He was like, I forgot what the finishing, the KO was, but it it went along the lines of just picture me as a girl, you know, Ronnie was saying like, uh, like I want to be friends. And Vince was saying, just picture me as a girl. And I'm sure you'll want to swing at me, you know, commenting on Ronnie's, domestic violence history and that got like twelve thousand retweets and it was like ko he was done it was an absolute fatality like it was just so over at that point and uh vince even went off on one uh i can't remember exactly what he said but he basically called out the scene (laughs) and it had like three thousand retweets on it so it was a crazy night for sure yeah i saw vince tweet uh he was complaining, like, man, I call out one white right yep. white rapper and the lead singer of Fuck Out Boy is tweeting at me. Like <laughs> <laughs> Or Fallout Bitch, I think was the word he used. Yeah, that was it. Like, that just was disregarding it. the whole scene. But yes, yeah, so that was funny to see, I thought. Um, so unusual, man. You never know what 2017 is going to throw at us. We had uh, another drugs reunion debunked. Uh, that happened. Who keeps doing week. these things, man? It's the same hacker, man. It's, you think it's whoever, the same one? I think whoever hacked... Because you you would text me about this. Um, listeners, if you weren't paying attention, the Destroy Rebuilds Until God Shows Twitter activated and said shit's coming in 2018. And I got a very excited text from Tyler Sharp. And <laughs> I told you right away, I was like, horseshit horseshit i knew it was but inside i was screaming (laughs) like every time it doesn't matter like just the fact that there's something happening even though it's an obvious obviously not to have this discussion is fun yeah and for those who don't remember drugs is a super group formed by craig owens once he was kicked out of chiotos along with members of from first to last story of the year matchbook romance and underminded Am I forgetting anyone? It was just like this super so. group of the fucking time and like the coolest thing that ever happened. And a lot of talk, you know, in the post hardcore Reddit <laughs> the, the sort of areas were like people like, you know, 
you and I have talked about how much we love that drugs album. You know, mm-hmm. it's so great. And uh, this is one of those. Yeah, I would say it's a scene classic. You know, it's a Feldy classic. And this is one of those reunions that it's a dream one for all of us, I think. Like, sure. we'd all go to that show. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's just one where you're like, this is probably never going to happen. But, you know, Craig owns the name, so he could technically, I mean, would you like to see drugs be brought back with a different quote unquote super group lineup? I would hate that. You'd hate yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, because I felt like Matt Good's guitar was such a big part of that sound. For sure. You know? For sure. But I and, just, uh, it was so interesting to me because the day before this hack comes out, uh, Matt Good tweets about the Drugs album saying he was listening to it in the gym or whatever and forgot about how much he liked it. And then Nick Martin replies with a bunch of emojis, like good emojis, you know, thinking mm-hmm. about the good old times. And then mm-hmm. that happens the next day. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So uh, after that sleeping album flops, Nick Martin's like, yo, <laughs> Drugs. Right. What up, Matt Good? Yeah, he's Here like, you got hey, a studio, fam. Hey, yeah. After you fly, you got it's a time studio, fam. Right. If only, um, man. If only. My boy Kellen has a publishing deal with Warner now. He's, <laughs> you know, he's out for himself. Uh, got to find a new band. Yeah, that was man. hilarious. Yeah, I think what those comments that the band members were making on social media inspired this little hacker. He was like, "Oh, now's a good time to." Start some fucking shit. I wonder if but, the hacker knows them. Like, I wonder if the hacker's like part of that was part of that world when it happened. Yeah, I don't know. Yep, man. I was just looking back. I the drugs AP cover. I still think is one of my favorite AP covers of all time. Where like Craig's wearing the white jacket yep. and they're standing in the rain. Yep. You know, or it's like sparks or rain. It's kind of falling. like embers almost. Yeah, yeah. it's. I think that aesthetically is my favorite ap cover it might be like it's it, it's up there it's in the conversation yeah it was dude. just it was just such a cool band and such a cool pete craig owens you know what i mean totally like, that was his you know the most relevant <sighs> moment of owens career was when the chiotos drama and then he comes back with one of the scene's yeah. biggest super groups ever i love that cover and i think they did it was a split cover with black veil back then oh, like 100 yeah, bands yep, you know yep, but the yep. drugs cover was just so much cooler the white jacket the rain it just looked like it was the future you know and they premiered the sex life video on mtv2 it yeah, was like shit was happening that. again you know like I forgot about that <sighs> just the lead up to that album was insane yeah. all those videos and then they then when yeah. they dropped the uh, if you think this song is about you and i was like <sighs> oh my god this is gonna end everything <laughs> and you remember the first show they oh, went yeah. out and did uh Craig opened with Thermicare. Yeah. And everyone knew all the lyrics to Thermicare, even though that was a leaked Chiotos demo. Yep. Like he was like, No, this is my song. You know, even though it was a Chiotos song, he just opened with it and everybody knew it. And... Absolutely. It's like Ronnie with anything on Dying is your latest fashion. Right. <sighs> we could do this all day, man. But yeah, <laughs> the, the, that drugs YouTube account still exists and there's some gems on there. Like there's like a really fake documentary of them before they do their first show yeah and it's so staged like they all get in a circle and craig is like talking to them before the show and he's like all right guys this is what everything's built up to and he's like drugs on three one <laughs> two three drugs like they actually do that if you uh go find this tour documentary it's so right. cliche They're, the we last could... the last two videos that are uploaded on that channel too are b-sides that were not on the album so if good you've never ones heard too. those like, uh, go check out those rehab songs. rehab and rifle rounds and uh what is the other one i can't remember the world was wrong this time my voice is strong or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, there's good demos though. Um, we got we could do this all day. Tom. I know. I think, uh, <laughs> gotta move on. <laughs> yeah, we gotta move on. All right, we got some. Listen, we gotta move on to listener questions. Listener Anthony D writes into notecnetgmail.com this week with a very interesting one. He says, "If you guys were to pick two of these debut albums to listen to for the rest of your lives, what would they be?" He gives us an interesting selection. Alisana's On Frail Wings, Bless the Falls, His Last Walk, Cute is What We Aim For is the Same Old Blood Rush, Escape the Fates, Dying is Your Latest Fashion, Fallout Boys, Take This to Your Grave, From First to Last, Dear Diary, Hawthorne Heights, The Silence, Panic of the Disco is a Fever, and Census Fails, Let It Enfold You, and Yellow Cards, Ocean Avenue. So, uh anthony this is a pretty brutal question man like this right. is uh this one hurt uh i figure we can kind of suffer through this one together tyler um <laughs> <laughs> so for me way to put it for me it was like really easy quickly to nix alisana 
Right. Um, Same here. I could nix cute is what we aim for. Same. I could nix Fallout Boy. Same. I could nix Hawthorne Heights. Yep. I could nix Yellow Card. Yep. Bless the Fall, His Last Walk. Love that album. Fucking did a lot for Screamo and Metalcore. And it's it's a, it's a classic to me, but I can nix it. Oh, no, and Matt. Are that's we where heading we, that's to where the we exact same? No, the, are you, think, you're with me. I think we might be on the exact okay. same page. So now I, now, now I end up in a predicament with Escape the Fate from first to last. Uh-huh. Panic of the Disco and Census Fail. Uh-huh. And I didn't know. Like, normally before we answer these questions... I have this shit figured out because I like to, you know, <laughs> and to be a professional podcaster. But at this moment, I still don't know. I'm still deciding in my oh, head. Oh, okay. This is hard because it's like, um, Census Fails, Let It Unfold You is one of the most nostalgic albums to me. Like, it literally traces back to a summer in high school when I fell in love with a girl. And that album was the soundtrack to it, you know? And I, it's a fucking great classic album and I could never separate from it. Panic at the Disco's Fever is a perfect album to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just amazing. And Dear Diary by From First to Last, you know, that's one of my favorite bands. That's an album that got me into the darker side of the scene. Um, and Escape the Fates Dying is really its fashion is just one of my favorite albums of all time. It's something I relate to intensely, personally, on a lyrical and a sonic level. And it just captures a vibe and a time that I love so much. So that that that's where my predicament is. Where do you end up at, Tyler? So I actually did manage to narrow it down to two, and I picked Escape the Fate, Dying is Your Latest Fashion, and Good Panic pick, at man. the Disco, Phoebe, You Can't Sweat Out. Oh. Those two albums were just so definitive mm-hmm. for me. I didn't get into From First to Last until... 2007 ish right around the time when Sonny was leaving and they were about to release self-titled and um census fail i was late on that too but those two albums panic and escape the fate i just have so many memories with those albums and they're just fantastic front to back like there's no filler on those records and those songs are just iconic, not only for the scene, but for my life in general. So I would definitely come down to those two albums. So from first to last, living through Sonny Moore, like as a thing mm-hmm. in that album, it changes. Is such an incredible experience. I right. mean, you just it's like you just can't imagine what it was like. It just it pulled you right in. But of all these albums, it's the worst, I think. So I can let it go sonically and musically. I can let it go. Yeah, I'm down to census fail, panic the disco, and escape the fate. And I, I can't, I can't ditch like you. I can't ditch that escape the fate album. It's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, Dying Julius really fashion. So I got to pick that one. I'm gonna drop panic, and I'm gonna hang on to census wow. fail because let it unfold you is my fucking teenage childhood, whatever you want to call it. I'm taking one nostalgia and one good one. So census fail and escape the fate for me. That was really tough. Um, listeners, please like never do that to us again. <laughs> like I struggled with this one. I'm pulling my hair right now. I mean, seriously, like a, fe- a fever you can't sweat out. I mean, oh my god, dude! Like that was that's one of the most definitive albums for me. It, like I just had, I just had to drop it. Like, it doesn't get more iconic than a fever you can't sweat out, man. It <laughs> hurts, fam. And you just hurts. drew your line in the sand. Oh man. Um. Well, we thank Anthony. And are a little upset at him for writing into notesteen.com. <laughs> if you have any questions for us, feel free to send them that way, and we will happily answer them on the show. But we got to move on into our main story this week, which is Pierce the Veil. Um, Pierce the Veil are back. They released a new music video for Today I Saw the Whole World. Um, they also recently released a new EP, which contains an acoustic rendition of the aforementioned track that Tyler and I praised last episode. Pierce are back, and uh, they're doing things. Uh, what's your reaction to this, Tyler Sharp? It's good to see them back, and I'm glad that I'm excited that they're back. So to talk about this music video, first off, which they dropped for uh, Today I Saw the Whole World, my first question I have is, will we ever see Vic Fuentes without a hat again, on again? No, man. That, it's done. <laughs> He's going to have that forever. Um, Just everyone everyone else in the band is losing it and jumping around and acting you know, like rockers. And he's up there on the mic playing guitar, which 
I give I give him props, you know, doing the double duty up there, and he's got to stay focused. But come on, man, you're in a music video. Let's let's let it hang out. I want to see I want to see you without a hat on. Don't do it to him, man. Like leave my man alone. Like <laughs> like it's not. He doesn't have the hair he used to have. The hat makes it appear as if he does, and I'm okay with him rocking the hat, you know, to compensate. At least have a beanie, not a snapback. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Look, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Vic alone on this one because I feel for my man. But um, yeah, you know I like the weirdness of this video. Like it, it I like that there. It just seems to me like Pierce are having fun again. Like yeah. this seemed like they were having fun in this video, and they're just acting strange and bizarre. And I like that. And like even like um. They, they teased it with, like, this weird fire image. And mm-hmm. it was just, like, in the air, it was good to have that, like, Pierce are teasing something again. Like, that was like, ooh, I haven't felt this in a long time. The you know? anticipation. It was cool that, right. Anticipating Pierce was a cool experience again. And I just, For yeah, sure. they're just, like, like, they're loosening up in this video. It kind of feels like old Pierce again. They're just kind of doing weird shit. Like, yo, shouts to the Mania waves in this video, too. Did you see those? Yeah. yeah Taking it straight from Fall Out Boy. I know. It, uh, it felt very, like, 90s aggressive rock band video. Kinda. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Misadventures had a lot of rock radio moments. That's the direction they were going in. Like, i.e. circles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense that they're gonna go embrace the general rock tendencies and appearance and delivery. And so on, but uh, I just like to see that they're like moving around. You know, I hate yeah, it. If, I hate it when if, like even semi heavy heavy bands just stand while they're playing. Mm-hmm. Like to have, even though this is just a music video, just to have them jumping around and like you said, like just looking like they're having fun makes yeah, me it enjoy more, it more. It felt more jokey to me. Yeah, like you say, definitely. '90s. It almost felt more parody of that yep. to me. Like they're not taking themselves too seriously. Like um, this is totally sidebar and off topic, but the end of the video when they're all holding those torches and bear with me did you get like a chiodos illuminati <laughs> oh, vibe no. as well do you remember that yeah, the teaser that? man the teaser yeah yep absolutely that took me right back to chiodos which was just weird I, it just it doesn't even fit in the video it, it has no connection <laughs> yes, to the video, no that correlation the video, they're holding these torches which is uh what Chiodos did to the build-up to Illuminatio. Gotta tie in the drugs era, man. <laughs> not to sidebar too much, but like we were just talking about the Undertaker video for. Uh, oh, we were this week on Chiodos. a text thread. Yep. Man, dude, like if you guys get a chance, go back and watch that Undertaker's video because it just highlights Chiodos at the height of their fame when they were rock stars. And I lived in that area where the video was shot, and I remember <laughs> the day. Like the casting went out. It was like Chiodos had posted on their MySpace, like, yo, we're shooting a video. And like everybody in class was texting and everybody was going to the Chiodos video shoot that day. Like people were skipping school, I think. Like that was the thing. Everyone, and it just felt like my entire fucking school and everyone I knew went. And I didn't end up going. And I regret it to this fucking day. I like had to do something with my girlfriend. I don't know. My girlfriend's brother went too. You know, oh, it was like everybody God. went. It, it was the thing. Like when she imagine like when Chiodos were that big and they said, yo, you want to come see a free Chiodos show and be in our music video? Everyone went. And it was awesome. We've talked um, about that moment so many times. I'll never let you live that down. That yeah, you didn't I, sh- I, I should have went. And I don't know <laughs> what I played like badminton with my girlfriend or something. I don't know. It's terrible like that. But <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry, sorry to sidebar. Back on uh, Pierce, like he's like like we were saying, like it just it's cool that they're having fun. Like to me, misadventures that cycle, it just felt so tight and restrained, mm-hmm. and like just there wasn't much energy there. And like it really all culminated for me with that floral and fading video. Mm-hmm. I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know, it was just so like just low energy. Just like <laughs> get the fuck out of here, you know. It was so cheeseball, and I was just like, it, this is the most, like, they were just so going for aesthetics, you know? And sure. it just, that to me represented the failure of this campaign. There was no, like, uh, organic excitement anywhere to be found. For sure. And, I mean, to put Misadventures in context, now that we have a majority of 2017 in our rearview mirror, the scene's major releases this year have made Misadventures, at least to me, look so much better than it was in hindsight, mm-hmm. you know, like imagine if Misadventures comes out this year, 
it's an mm-hmm. album of the year contender when you put it up against Sleeping with Sirens and All Time Low. Ooh. Like <laughs> it's, no, it's like, absolutely better than both of those. It's albums. nowhere near the caliber of Clyde with the Sky. And ultimately, you know, we'll probably talk about later why the misadventure cycle wasn't what it should have been. But it's definitely passable as opposed to the failures that we've seen this year. And today I saw the whole world is one of the most selfish machines kind of collide era moments we get on the album. And I've listened to that song a lot this this week since they've released it as a single and I'm kind of coming around to it more and more. Sambuca is my favorite track on the album. It could have been a standout, like, Selfish Machine song. Uh, it vibes really well between, like, fun and bouncy, pierce the veil, and then aggressive in your face. But there's there were just too many misses, ultimately. Um, like, Dive In. It's one of the yeah. worst openers ever. It drags on for almost five minutes, and the song, like, never gets to it's the really point. It's really interesting that they're pushing Whole World as a single, because... It you know, feels they, they, like they, they, old they, Pierce the Veil. Yeah, but it's interesting because they push circles. Circles make sense as a radio single. You know what I'm saying? That's a song that's going to get radio play. This doesn't feel like a song that's going to get any kind of radio play to me. It, you know, this is like an definitely. old Pierce song. Like you said, this you know, this is like a, a deep cut almost. You know, this doesn't this this is going nowhere at radio. So why push it as a single? I, I, maybe they're just trying to like highlight to their fan base. Hey the old us is kind of back in a way that's all i can think of and i absolutely love it it's not the best thing for the band but it's gonna make their longevity last a little longer because the radio rock that we were getting wasn't that good like circles is a passable track it's decent it's good pierce the veil wannabe foo fighters moment Mm -hmm. like that's all it is though it it, it did its job at rock radio like it, it got it had success and i thought was the point of that song and it was cool to, it was cool to hear Pierce on the radio. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like every day I'll say that. Like I like that. But you know, they can't totally go in that direction. For sure. And that's why we have today I saw the whole world, because Texas is forever and the Divine Zero are such middle of the road Pierce the Veil song. Like, yeah, it's Pierce the Veil, but there's nothing overtly special there. We've heard it all before, and before it was done better. Um Man, the Divine Zero when that hit, it was just because that came before the album. Right. It was, it was, to me, that was just, I was like, this is just not it, man. Like, it, this is not It was a miss, man. It was a miss. It was empty. It just felt hollow in a yeah, way. Yeah, you know? definitely. And we had been waiting like, so like, long at that point oh, for new Pierce the I felt like Pierce were playing Pierce, you know, Pierce covering Pierce almost. But so it's interesting when we talk about misadventures because last week we were just talking about the biggest flops of 2017 you know all-time low sleeping Mm -hmm. motionless and this album you can't call it a flop at all because it wasn't it wasn't a failure but it was a disappointment in some regards commercially i'd say it was disappointing for us so it sold 50,000 copies first week and um it did 54 with streaming 54 streaming okay and it's gone on to sell over a hundred thousand i think it's like around 110 right now so you know that's not a flop or a failure by any means there are a lot of bands that would kill to have those sales but um it's disappointing for pierce when you consider in 2014 like at the height of their popularity when everyone was waiting i think tyler like you and i like we were pegging them between 75,000 and 90,000 first week with a number one album. Like, that's what Pierce, that's what I thought Pierce were Absolutely. Capable of at that point. Would you agree? That's what we were talking about that summer when, yeah. when the album got announced. And I mean, like we said, Circles had mild success at rock radio, but the band is still playing like 15 to 3,000 cap right. rooms, whereas Bring Me's last album sold 55,000, so same ballpark, but they're playing like. The lowest they're playing is 3,000, and they're playing up to like 10,000 in L.A. right now. It's just the momentum shift here isn't where it should be for Pierce the Veil coming off the success of Collide with the Sky. Like, what they did following the Collide success was so crucial. They needed to top yeah. it. Because if they did, who like who knows where they'd be now. They might be giving a day to remember a run for their money. Um, but Misadventure and just wasn't enough. At, at that moment in 2014... You know, All Time Low had just done, what, like 70,000 first week with Future Hearts? 75, traditional. Okay, 75. And at that moment, Pierce felt bigger than All Time Low. Absolutely. Like, by far. Pierce felt like the biggest band in the scene at that moment. So we thought if they had capitalized on that hype, like, they could 
they could have had a number one album, you know, but they waited too long. And Collide with the Sky went on to sell 300,000 copies over that. You know, over. it's one of the few recent scene albums to break 300,000. And Misadventures has only th- sold 100,000. So not a flop, but, you know, disappointing. They're definitely not out. And they've had a fairly quiet se- yeah. 2017, which I kind of like. You know, they have they did the weird tour with Rise Against. And we just haven't had a lot to talk about about Pierce the Veil in 2017, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I kind of like when bands go away for a little bit after they've had a bump in the road. But uh, these recent moves, like this Today I Saw the Whole World thing, yeah. it's, it, it feels good. It's got me excited about Pierce the Veil again, and I like that because I have been disappointed way too much from the scene in 2017, so I'm glad Pierce is still here. I do like that. I agree. I like the move. I like the the distance. You know, like like you said, they 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 took an L here in a way, but they're not out. You know, not like at some all. bands like Sleeping. <laughs> that's gonna be tough to come back from. You know, Motionless. I think are out. Um, all Time Low are gonna have a tough time coming back. But Pierce kind of this one's gonna could glide off of them. You know, this could just graze them and they could come back. Like if they make if they keep making these good moves, they could come back stronger. Did you see that uh they played Kara Finalia with Jeremy from A Day to Remember on stage? I did, man. It brought back so many memories oh of twenty ten. Like Pierce the Veil on the Selfless Machine cycle and a day to remember on the homesick cycle. Like this was <sighs> such a moment when this song and video came out when Jeremy's in the God. phone booth. And it's oh. cool to see Jeremy still down to relive those good old days, man. And he killed it. Like he's still out there busting out those lines. It was great. Like he crushed it. And dude, just to see the crowd flip out. When he does those screams, because yep. those yep. screams are so iconic, you know. What if I can't forget you? you. Oh, and dude! It's funny, like you brought up how this song—it was 2010. Right? Yep, when that's when out. Selfish Machines came out. And this is like a precursor to that golden era of like 2012, 2013, when yep. all these bands are the biggest bands in the scene. They weren't quite there yet in 2010. You know, ADTR had popped off, but Pierce certainly didn't pop off with Selfish Machines. You know. And um, so just like this meeting of of bands was such a classic moment in the scene and a precursor to such a great time that we had, you know, and Collide eventually came out. And um, what I love, too, is um, when A Day to Remember dropped the video for All I Want, there's a moment where Vic is in the phone booth screaming it. It calls back to this music video, which was just such a classic callback. It was just such a fun time when this song came out because it felt like every big band in the scene, there were so many bands on the rise and they all interacted with each other. So it just made it felt more like a community. And we got bangers like this song left and right from all these bands and just feels different now, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It just feels different now. (laughs) Anything else you got to hit on Pierce t-shirt? I don't think so. I'm, I'm excited, but after 2017, I'm hesitant about anything from the scene. Okay, um, moving on to our next story, which is Neck Deep. So a Neck Deep show in Nottingham was canceled after a fight with security occurred. Um, this was pretty fucking crazy. Man, um, it looked pretty pretty vicious, like a straight-up brawl. I saw some chokeholds, some punches, lots of yelling. This is, like, one of the first times I've seen in a while, like, the security actually like pull the band down like the security they actually put hands on the band and like the band and their crew were fighting security Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like a fan security thing you know it was the band against security security against the fans it just you know it looked messy and it just uh really sucks when these things happen and they had to cancel the show yeah, they ended it right then and there. I think there were only like two to three songs in, too. Um, I actually found a video of Ben coming out to apologize to fans that were like outside of the venue area, which was cool. Um, like, Neck Deep are always giving us reasons to call them out and doing mm-hmm. stupid things, just generally stupid things. So for them to treat this situation the way they should have is a good 
is a good thing, and I'm glad we get to talk about that. But it's just unfortunate that these things keep happening, man. Like, why is this an issue at shows? You know, I saw that video, too, of Ben, and I, I got to shout that out because I thought that was real cool. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, to stay after the show outside the bus and, like, talk, have a legit, like, sit-down talk with your fans. Be like, he's He was saying, like, listen, sorry. Like, we want to be up there playing for you just as bad as you want to be seeing us. And, uh... I thought that was a really like solid G move on Ben's part. For sure. It's just so unfortunate that this happens. I can't tell you how many stories, you know, you oh, and I both that we ran at AP about this I shit. I mean, you think back to the throwbacks, you know, there's the classic A Day to Remember moment, which yep. kind of sparked a lot of this. Like yeah. this, 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 um, this hostility between security and fans, but a security guard had punched a fan at an A Day to Remember show and Jeremy called them out from on stage and shut like he shut the show down and you know when jeremy calls somebody out it's it's huge you know what i mean like the (laughs) whole room everybody stops like when jeremy's mad the whole room freezes you know jeremy is just a very powerful and commanding presence and uh that was the biggest story of the week when that happened i remember and ever since then it's you know we've just seen more and more stuff like this like we saw after that you know, i feel like it was the all-time low i think we, they were mm-hmm. might have been like at six flags with like security was like macing fans true and um we saw you know parker from the story so far at warp tour he became like the yep. little hero of the month because a security guard was getting rough with fans and um, he jumped off stage and shoved the dude, you know, all tough guy and mm-hmm. everybody just cheering for him. And they went back on stage and busted right into daughters. Oh, right my God. Bro, bro, all our feminist <laughs> listeners. He busted right into that track. Um, even going back further, it was like there's video of like I think oh four like Pete went straight up getting into a brawl. Really? Security. Yeah. Like security jumped on a Fall Out Boy fan. And Pete, like, fucked the dude up. Like, Pete was, like, it was, like, old Chicago Pete. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Arma Angelus days. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, still hardcore kid Pete. He beat the shit out of that security guard. There's, um, a, there's a video of Under Oath playing the Kevin Says stage on Warp Tour in 2003. And Tim is, like, losing it over the security guard because mm-hmm. they're playing on the super small stage. Everyone's getting crushed and security's being rough with kids. And one of them had a chokehold. And Tim, like, threw his guitar at him. It's crazy. You can find it on YouTube. I remember... I was at at Warp Tour seeing uh, bringing back the Chiodos again, but Chiodos were like headlining <laughs> Warp Tour this day, and I was in the crowd, and um, I watched a girl get four security guards came into the crowd and dragged her out by her hair, and she was screaming the entire time. And no I guess she way. had been starting she had been starting shit or whatever, you know. But um, I mean, like they got her like one security guard had her arm, one had her leg, and one got her by the hair, and they just dragged her out and. She was screaming and clawing the whole way, and uh, it just sucks that this sort of stuff happens, you know? And we've all had that moment where, like, the dick security guard, you know what I mean? We've all we've all had that moment, I feel like, where we run into the security guard who just fucking sucks at the show. For sure, absolutely. I, like, at my peak show-going days... I went to a lot of like hardcore shows in Chicago and stuff where there wasn't security. So it was just fans fighting fans <laughs> and there was no security. So, but I have seen there, there have been some instances where I've seen at riot fest and just, it's so unfortunate, man. It, it It's a bummer that kids go to these shows and they're here to enjoy the band and security whose job is to keep people safe are the ones who end up instigating all this violence. Yeah. And what I really think it, it comes down to because I did a story for AP on this and I had to kind of dig deep and I actually talked to some security guards and there's a real disconnect between yes what security is used to and the type of fan bases and the type of crowds you encounter at a scene show yes. you know like um security they're not always the bad guys sometimes they're just genuinely surprised and shocked by not only what they're hearing musically but also what the crowd is doing some of these security guards have just never seen this type of shit before like just crowd surfing in circle pits and just insane moshing and just people jumping on stage and they're just not used to it you know like i remember there was a security guard i used to always see at uh at the hip-hop shows i go to um back in michigan and he I would I talk to him because I had seen him so many times and he was like really into hip hop. And um, one time he was doing security for I think it was like a, 
AFI show or something. Oh, man. And he was just, yeah, and, and he was just like, y'all crazy. Like, what are you doing? You know, he just didn't get it, you know? And so I think there's a disconnect there. And it sucks because this is a time we kind of got to come together with security because there's just so many other bad mm-hmm. situations happening that, you know, we really all need to work together as one unit. You know, security and fans need to be together at this point you know with everything going on from the ariana grande concert to vegas it's like there are bigger problems and we shouldn't be squabbling you know absolutely i think when venues hire security they need to the security needs to be aware of what shows they're going to be doing and what the crowds are going to be like going into it i just i think that should be like commonplace among venues hiring security out I, I don't understand why it's such an issue, like why people are so surprised by it. I think there should be like, you should be aware of what in, what you're getting yourself into when you work these things. I remember at Warp Tour one year, somebody threw, we were in a crowd for, uh, I think it was Silverstein, and somebody threw a bottle at a security guard's head and it hit him and he caught it. And he chucked it right back at the person. Oh and his supervisor, his supervisor's like, yo, man, you can't do that. You You're going to get fired. <laughs> right. Like, they have to be the bigger person, you know. And sometimes it's they're just not used to these kind of crowds. Absolutely. I just, you know. Case in um, point, anything else? knocked loose this summer. Do you remember that video of the security there who just wouldn't catch crowd surfers? So Brian jumped off stage and started catching crowd surfers himself. Right. They just need to be, venues need to make security aware of what shows they're going to be doing what the crowd's going to be like it's not that difficult to predict what crowds are going to be like at what shows the guy brian making the good pr moves there hey just all summer long man all All summer summer long long, dude brian and knock loose with the good pr moves they're coming they're coming um let's move on to our next story which is with confidence who released a new music video for waterfall which is from their album better weather which came out on hopeless records um did you have a chance to check out this video tyler i did and first fallout boy take on vr in a music video and now with confidence take on vr in a music video is this just going to be a thing that keeps happening on like music video storyboards for directors pop punk bands vr i think uh i think yes but i liked this one a lot better than the fallout boy one like i yeah. i could give two shits about the fallout boy one this one actually like emotionally resonated with me i guess i will never watch this video again mainly okay, so... because i don't like the song at all and 99 percent of the time we watch music videos because we mm-hmm. like the song but okay. what, explain to me what happens in this i'm gonna give you the rundown now. I'm going to give you, Tyler Sharp, and the listeners the run right. this video. Right. So there's a couple. But um, they only date in virtual reality, right? Mm-hmm. So they've never actually met each other. They live on different sides of the earth, but they put on their VR goggles. And when they do that, they're together, and they're in love, and they go on dates, and they have all these good times. But eventually, they have to take their VR goggles off, and they come out of that world, and they're separate from each other. And... Um, at one point in the video, they have, I think the guy decides that, you know, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep living in this fake world where they're not really together. They're only together, you know, in the VR world. And uh, it's, it's kind of depressing for such a sweet song. But, like, it's at the same time, it's a good look for the band, I think. And, dude, when when um he finally makes a decision to not go back into the VR world, like, he leaves the VR world and she's in there. When she gets back in that car and he's gone, it's fucking heartbreaking, man. Oh my god. Like that <laughs> shit moved on, me, dude. Come like on. it's it's depressing. They'll never meet. It it uh it left me hanging. It left me upset. And I actually I actually like this song. I think it's like a smart building love song. I'm at like a seven point four out of ten on it. Um Is it just like a rite of passage for pop punk bands to write a song like this? because i was literally in a band in high school who wrote that was the exact chorus in our song and i can name like 10 more songs off the top of my head who have that it's very like lovey moody song that builds you know and i think it's pretty disgusting the band have a good look at the same time i think aesthetically they do well with this song in this video here and um yeah, I just I found the video very compelling and heartbreaking. So I was surprised by that. But um, moving on to like the bigger topic of with confidence, are these the guys, Tyler? 
Are, they, I, are these the next guys? I know that you think? you think they're the next guys, <laughs> man. <laughs> I Here's what I will say. I will and you much, turned me out of this band. Let's point that out. I did you call put me out on them. the APMA award, which they did get. I will say that if one new neon band, that's what I'm calling this little revolution that's happening, if one new mm-hmm. ne- neon band does take off, I would want it to be with confidence and definitely not water parks. That's good to hear, man. That's good to hear. But I have yet to see why with confidence would take off. I'm going to give you some reasons here. So they have a very good look, which is very important. Mm-hmm. I think they. you might not like their music, but I like it. And I think a lot of other people really like it. Um, mm. They have more Twitter followers than water parks. They have more YouTube streams than water parks. They have more Spotify plays than water parks. The only reason that they are on tour opening for water parks right now is because water parks are managed by the Madden Brothers. And the Madden Brothers are very powerful in the music industry. And water parks, the water parks, think of the push they're getting. It's fake. You know what I mean? Most Absolutely. of the reason water parks did not deserve a lot of things they got. Whereas with no. confidence are at this bigger level statistically than water parks without that kind of push. They're just getting your basic hopeless records push. You know what I mean? And they've managed to eclipse water parks in streams and all that sort of thing. And get like a real organic type of hype whereas water parks have needed the madden brothers to pull strings for them behind the scenes this whole time like the madden brothers are so they're so powerful that they got sleeping with sirens to do the olympics theme song you know they also <laughs> managed sleeping with sirens, by the way you know so when you're managed by the madden brothers you know and um that's just kind of that's why i think with confidence are going to succeed over water parks in the end they've had a lot less help and they're doing better. I absolutely hope that they just bury water parks because I'm so over that band and it's not even, it's barely (laughs) happening yet. I just don't think, I have no reason to believe that it's gonna happen yet because I don't think these songs are strong enough to actually break out. Like, yes, they have streaming momentum, good for them. Give me the full length and Mm -hmm. let me listen to it and we'll talk after. You didn't like those B-sides either, did you? I did not at all. Man, I jammed those like for the end of the summer, every like every night. I could night. not I believe them. that you like those songs, man. I just like I I like this band. Like I got a good feeling. I think I think I think they might be good at music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think so. 2017, it's rare, man. We're it's just, a rare thing to find in 2017, fam. We're just debating on which scene bands are actually good at music. <laughs> yeah, there's a band we'll talk about. At a, that the jury's out um okay anything else i know i'm sorry thanks for talking about this band with me tyler Um, there's not much else you want to say nope i'm i you got to give me the full length and we'll talk some more all right that'll be an interesting thing to revisit for the show for sure look out for that listeners all right uh pop story of the week is none other than the (laughs) goats eminem he went at donald trump in a cipher on the bet awards Holy shit, Tyler Sharp. Um, (laughs) This was fucking insane. Eminem fucking eviscerated Donald Trump. And it was fantastic. It was exactly what the world needed. Um, What was your reaction, Tyler? It was, I will totally agree with that. It was fantastic. But my thing is that (laughs) this is the most strategic move in the music industry in 2017. People act like it was some grassroots, you know, freestyle that he just rattled off off the top of a top of his head, but everything about this was formulated from the ground up, like behind the scenes. Did sure. like did everyone forget that it's rumored that he's dropping an album next month? Like this was oh, so yeah. planned out as a PR move that it's ridiculous. Absolutely. So it takes away from the sincerity of his words when you realize how formulated all of this was. Now, that being said, it was the best possible move he could have done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I have, I, I have a little counterpoint to your PR point. Okay. Yes, cynically, it is the best PR move for him to make with an album coming out. But you could also look at it as the riskiest one because Eminem has a lot of conservative fans. He, he is a very broad-reaching pop star. Like, he's from Michigan where I grew up. Michigan's a Republican voting state responsible for putting Trump in office. Everybody in Michigan loves him. 
he knows this is the type of thing that's going to divide his fan base. And I sort of see that as like punk as fuck. He doesn't give a shit. You know, he's taking a risk here, even though it is a good PR move from the liberal sense, the the lens we look through. It it is a risky one, I think. And I I sort of respect that. I see your side, but I just don't agree with like, it that like the much. The same type of people who like it. Kid Rock like Eminem is my point. Sure, you know what I mean? He's but, he's going to piss those people off. But this is what Eminem does. He's offensive. He's called right. out Clinton. He called out Bush. And now he's calling out Trump. Like, this isn't that new in a way that this is just what Eminem does. I was almost expecting this to happen in some way. I didn't know that it was going to be this big and, and in this way. I kind of thought maybe he'd just drop some bars on the new album against Trump, maybe have a song come out against Trump, kind of like he did with Bush. But no art. The thing, the, the reason why it was so big is that no artist on his level will come out 100% and do something like this against Trump in this way. And like Bob Left says, said on CNN this week, like hip hop controls the youth of America. So mm-hmm. on one hand, we have Taylor Swift like punching down on a beef that was over years ago. And then we have Eminem coming back with this right. undeniable statement that America needs to hear. And he's dominated the conversation on left and right sides all week. So it like was, you it said, was perfect. Hip hop is controlling pop music right now. And Eminem is arguably the biggest rapper. Um, I, I don't know another rapper right now that can do a million first week. Um, you know, I mean, Drake. Drake's in the, you know, him or Drake probably the biggest rapper. And, but M is just huge. And like you said, he's the first artist to do this, to just straight up come out and be like, fuck Trump in such a public and artistic way. And going back to the cypher, I like, I really like that they included the screw ups in it. Like it made it feel so authentic. You know, the moments where he misses and he's like, just (laughs) oops, he's like, oops, I'm going to start over. Fuck it. You know, like it just made it feels so much more authentic him actually keeping the imperfections in and like everyone who knows m knows m can really rap he's really a good rapper like yes you just youtube um if you ever get a chance youtube rappers talking about eminem and you will see every rapper from 50 cent to lil wayne when when they get asked like who would you not fuck with they're all like eminem that guy's crazy like they will not battle rap eminem because they know he's insane and um I just like seeing how authentic and good he is in his natural environment, like a rap cypher. I like the facial hair, too. We haven't (laughs) seen facial hair on ever. That's dope. He looks like a little more, uh, a little hard. I don't know, a little insane. It looks kind of like, yeah, kind of like what you would expect to see in the 3 a.m. video. You remember that song? Yeah, true. Yeah, so it's interesting that, like, you know, the, the, the Mathers LP, too, felt so internal to me. You think about a song like Monster like battling with the monster and the demons in his head. And is this is going to be an outward thing, like this new Eminem album coming up. You think it's going to be just like an assault on Trump and an assault on all the fucked up things in the world right now? I think he certainly set the precedent for that. It's just, I, I can't believe that it took us, it took the music industry this long to do it. Like, where the fuck are you at, Green Day? Like, you <laughs> showed out in, two, in 2004, like, American Idiot was the, you know, I don't want to be a part of your redneck agenda, Bush. Like, that was the counterculture revolution of that time. And... and- when Green Day did that, the Bush hate hadn't quite peaked yet. It hadn't really boiled over. Green Day were early. When they put American yeah. Idiot out, people were offended. You know what I mean? Not everybody was on that train yet. They would get on that train eventually, mm-hmm. partially thanks to Green Day, I think. <laughs> like, right. like, dude, straight up, um, Holiday is a song that made helped me realize how much I hate Bush. You know what I mean? <laughs> straight up. And it's just... I don't understand how artists can can just sit by idly and worry about alienating their fan bases when they have an opportunity to do something special. Like Green Day should have written American Idiot Part Two, and I mean, we they were, pissed we it were away for Revolution Radio. We were complaining about that since that when it happened came out. You and I have not. I, we haven't stopped. You can go back and listen to old <laughs> noticing episodes where Tyler and I are like, "Where is American Idiot Part Two? What is this trash? Go home, Green Day. Absolutely. And it's just yeah. it's just ridiculous to me that it, it hadn't happened yet. And they just kind of sat by and, get, and fed us this, this shitty, almost throwback 
Green Day fodder, but I guess it doesn't matter because everyone's going to go see Green Day anyway. I mean, they sold out arenas all all of this year. Right. <laughs> Yo, uh, shouts to Royce the 5'9", the OG Detroit rapper who is in the background was of it, this cypher. Was he in He's there? He's standing in the background, yeah. Uh, first, I, I thought it was D12 at first, but um, then I looked, you know, I was like, who are all these dudes? And mm-hmm. I looked and I saw Royce and I was like, oh, that's so cool because Royce is like an OG Detroit rapper and, you know, M put him on and yep. it's just cool that he's still hanging with them, you know, and he's he's there backing them up. And uh, I think the other guys are some some Detroit rappers and some Shady Records rappers that are like loosely affiliated with them. But um, cool to see Royce there. Did you hear somebody put out like a mashup of this song with Rage Against the Machines, Bulls on Parade? Dude, I did see it, but I haven't listened to it yet. Is it good? It's okay. It's okay. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It's not like blow your mind amazing. Okay. um, Okay. Speaking of the Eminem stuff coming out, did you hear uh, M's verse on Pink's new song, Revenge? I did. And I was kind of (laughs) disappointed. Dude, it, yeah, it's kind of um, it felt it's very chance. Yeah, it's very chance the rapper. It's very Eminem doing chance the rapper, which is interesting to me because it, it makes me wonder when we talk about this direction of like what sonically and aesthetically is M gonna do on his next album? Is he going to react to SoundCloud rap? Is he gonna really react to trap? Is he gonna remain a pop star? Is he gonna go old school M? Like, what's he gonna do? And this is sort of the first glimpse we have at new Eminem in this mode. And he's doing he's doing kind of a Chance the Rapper kind of weirdo backpacky thing. And I thought that was interesting. But what I also thought was interesting was the final uh, lyrics of his verse are "You're a whore, you're a whore, this is war." <laughs> you know, yelling at girls <laughs> oh and cheating on them. So God. here we go. M's back, and he's already controversial. You know, that lyrics already gonna piss people off that's his job man like i said before he is here to offend you that's how it's always been from day one so it it, this was a good move i hate the i i'm just i guess i'm a cynic that's what i've learned from this podcast and the music industry is bullshit but i'm excited about eminem i'm glad everyone is talking about him right and left doesn't matter where you go you can't escape eminem this week and I really wish he I mean, would have dropped a new song this Friday. I like, mean, are you not stoked, Tyler? I am Come absolutely on. stoked. M. You can't not be stoked, man. I mean, it's this is like I don't know what this is. This is like the Olympics. I want or Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's just getting a new M album. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy <laughs> to think like the Marshall. And now we know he's coming out guns blazing, like he's angry. Absolutely. He's got he's got fuel. You know, like this isn't going to be watered down. Right. Like the Matt is LP2. We didn't really know what was driving him for that. That maybe just felt like it was he just had to make an album. Just kind of Whereas this right, one, right. he has a reason. He's, he, he You saw it. In his, you see it in his eyes in that cypher. He's coming for Trump. And I like how Trump, Trump, even Trump knows not to fuck with Eminem. He didn't like Trump, hit back. He will, he will start a Twitter war with anyone, but he knows not to tweet at Eminem because Eminem will just slaughter him. I the same way Ben slaughtered Ronnie, M would just eat Trump up. And Trump knows it. He, he's like, I love Trump will fuck with anybody. North Korea, anybody. <laughs> the Packers. Eminem, no. And that's my favorite thing about Eminem. Nobody will fuck with Eminem because they know he's crazy. You know? That, I couldn't believe it, man. I waited. Every day I was waiting for it this week. When is Trump going to fire back? And then by yeah. like Thursday, I'm like, it's over. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it would be a disaster for Trump, too, because M would just own him. It would get a million retweets, you know, and, and that's how it would go. Shots to Pink for getting that M feature. Like, what favor did she have to cash in for that? You know what I mean? Aren't they to get homies, an M&M though? Feature? Aren't they homies? I think they so, back. yeah. But, you know, like, where Pink is at in her career right now, it's not exactly sure. the best look for M to be on a Pink record. I mean. I don't know. I think that's some old school homies. Old school. Okay. Um, let's move on really quickly before we go. Let's hit our last story. Rome and Knucklepuck, two rising pop punk bands, both released new albums this week. Tyler and I are going to quickly touch on both of those albums and pick which one we like better. All right. Um, you want to start this off, Tyler? Yeah, I'll go for it. Start with Rome. Okay, let's go with Rome then. Rome's album, I was very pleasantly surprised by. And it's not because I can't stand the Knuckle Puck album. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you've you've given away your position already. I have, I have, but I couldn't hold that in any longer. I was so (laughs) surprised with how I liked this Rome album. I was not expecting it at all. Like, um, playing, playing Fiction 
was the first single that they released off the album. And mm-hmm. I actually didn't like it when it first came out. And then when I sat down to listen to this album this weekend, I was like, this is really good. It it didn't feel like they were trying to rip off Set Your Goals anymore. Like, this felt like a, a, an almost refreshing take on a mix of new wave pop punk and a mix of, like, early 2000s pop punk. Mm-hmm. And another mm-hmm. another track that I love off this album is Flatline, and I think it's going to be more of a deep cut, but I've heard every moment of this song in other songs in the past before, but like I said, it, it doesn't... I love pop punk songs that don't feel like pop punk songs, and this right. feels like a great rock meets pop punk song those riffs are so charging the verses are are really low and then it comes in big with the chorus so i really enjoyed this album overall it's not perfect by any means Mm -hmm. it does have filler but it is much better than the pile of garbage that is the knuckle puck album the mix is so muddy we've talked about a lot of these songs all of the singles on previous episodes all right uh, give me a score on the rome album tyler the rome album i'm at a seven ish right maybe right above it like a 7.1 7.2 okay knuckle puck the knuckle puck album shapeshifter knuckle puck mix is all muddy everything just kind of blends together at certain points and like we've said on episodes before they're just not good songwriters like this is the conclusion (laughs) we reach with this album and the the golden boys you know the golden risers that were knuckle puck are no more after this album the hype the hype will be snuffed from the room and I could see this band falling pretty hard after this cycle and throughout this cycle because these songs aren't here. There's nothing special about this. There was thing there was something special about this band when they were playing, you know, cellars in Northwest Indiana when I was seeing them like three years ago. It felt new. It felt like something was there. But now that they're on this level and they're producing these songs, they need help. And they didn't get any on this <laughs> album. So I am at a four and a half on the Knuckle Puck album. Okay. Um, for me, so yeah, Rome, Great Heights and Nosedives, this album which came out on Hopeless was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, I think it's like uh, they're a competent pop punk band. Um, this is like good uh, car driving music. Um, it's like at moments, it's like a bit feisty, like yeah. good Charlotte. Like they're not afraid to experiment with poppier and more punk elements, which I like. It kind of um, takes the record in a, like a more jaggedy direction. Some standouts I like alive, um, just like breezy pop punk. Mm-hmm. I like rich life because I got like really playful good Charlotte vibes off that song, which nice. I was like, wow, very cool. Um, playing fiction, great single with a fucking spectacular chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a good choice for the single. Um, overall, it's very pleasant to listen to. It's like good to take on a road trip or good to go like skateboard too. Definitely. Um, I'm at I'm at like there's a lot of filler on the album for mm-hmm. me. Um, I hate the song Guilty Melody. So I'm at like a six point nine out of ten. Okay. It's like they're just they're right there for me. You know, they're almost a seven. Like they're just I think next record they'll probably do it. You know, it's, it's they're just missing just a little bit. Yep. Like they just to be a to be a really good band and get like a seven out of ten, they just need a little bit more. Knuckle Puck Shape Shape Shifter. My reaction to this album: uh, Star Wars. Luke Skywalker first walks into the bay and sees the Millennium Falcon. What a piece of junk! You know, <laughs> that, that is literally the image I had in my head. The opener is. A messy wall of sound and reverb slop. Learn to play your instruments, fam. Learn to play your instruments. Um, The song Everyone Lies to Me. Okay, come back, kid. Sit down. Like, I was giggling during that song, dude. (laughs) It's like, I tried to find... You know what I mean? Like, trying to be hard as shit. Like, Kinda. Like, I, I tried to find one competent song... And I couldn't like want me around their little main ripoff is like the closest thing they have to a competent song. Um, and they, these guys, I mean, like you said, it's, it's going to be over for them if they, uh, if they don't get their shit together, they need a comp, they need a producer like Bendith or Feldy to beat their fucking ass into shape and get them to make good songs or it's over. Um, I thank the band for only making the album 10 songs because <laughs> it was hard to get through. And also just like, Fuck Plastic Brains, because I just especially hated that song. So, fuck that song. I give the album 4 out of 10. Um, that's And my choice, obviously, is Rome. 
I like the Rome album better than I like the Knuckle Puck album. Nice. Sounds um, like we're on the same page. Yeah. Uh, proposition for you before we go. Okay. Did Seaway low-key drop the best pop punk album of 2017? They are definitely in that conversation. I mean, give me somebody who beats them. I'm trying to think. I'm going to have to think about this one. <laughs> it, it's, like, my, my thinking is it's better than the Neck Deep album. It, it, it's kind it, of it's close for me it's better than the knucklebook album i think it it's, is absolutely i think, I think better it's better than, than this rome album it's close with the rome album but i think it's better I'm, we're gonna have to do some I, we're I gonna have to by, do some charting at the end of the year by on virtue some of 2017 being a bad year i think seaway backdoored their way into best pop punk album of 2017 which is a shame because we didn't talk about it at all absolutely but go listen to car seat headrests go listen to london mm-hmm. those tracks are amazing and they're definitely yeah. two of my most favorite pop punk songs of the year so you're, you're sticking with a no for now though on that for little now, prop i'm gonna stick with no but okay. at the end of the year when we do our you know when we do our recap of 2017 episodes on what was good for each genre mm-hmm. we'll definitely have that conversation uh, well i'm at a yes right now i think Dang. Uh, i think so far they've won when i look at i mean just by virtue of the lack of good competition i think they won i'm gonna have to i'll just have to go back and look through every pop punk release because i want to yeah. make sure i get it right Th- that story so far didn't come out yet you know what i mean? know so i like, know right? All right. Um, That is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and or a star rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five stars and we will love you. If you have any questions for the show, write into note to scene at gmail.com and we will happily answer them on the show. All right. See you next week.